And welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. And as we record this, there is a big recall election underway in California. Voters in the Bay State have got to decide whether they want to recall Democratic governor. They do want to recall him. With whom do they want to replace him? The Republican candidate, the leading Republican candidate, is Larry Elder, the talk show host, the El Dorado, the sage of South Central, who was polling really well earlier in the summer, July and August. He was leading Newsom. But now we're told by ABC News, I just watched a short piece from ABC News, and they wanted to assure their listeners and their viewers that Newsom has the election in hand. They hope he does. Obviously, ABC News and the, the mainstream media is pulling for Newsom. But, I mean, he's come under fire for so many things. And uh, by not following his own directives on mask wearing, he was caught in a, f- a fancy French restaurant without a mask with a bunch of people. None of them were masked. And I think that really put, I think, this recall election into gear. People are just tired of the of the taxes, the high taxes and the, in the uh, massive amounts of regulation, the homelessness, uh, the you know, human feces all over the streets in San Francisco, garbage. It looks like a third world country in many parts of California. And you know they're losing population like a lot of blue states. So Larry Elder has been described by Newsom's people as a clone of Donald J. Trump. Somebody on, I don't know if it was on Newsom's staff or he was, uh, as you know, if you, if you pay any attention at all to what's happening in the news and sp- specifically this race, uh, Elder and some of his uh, support staff were egged by a bunch of protesters, left-wingers, supporters of Gavin Newsom, and some white woman in a black gorilla mask was throwing eggs at, at Elder. And the left has, has uh, described Larry Elder as the black face of white supremacy. And I, I heard a local talk show host here in the Albany area recently, and he, he hit, hit the nail right on the head. We need to fight fire with fire with these people. Can you imagine the, the outcry from the media if... Somebody described Newsom as the white face of black supremacy. That's what needs to be done, though. I think we it's got to be tit for tat with these people. You know, as Obama once said, you can't you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. I think he said that. But I mean, you got to be you just have to crush these people because they stop at nothing to get what they want. Now, California is the bluest state in the country. One of them. Maybe New York is as blue or Connecticut, or one of those. But, I mean, it's a very blue state. Democrats have a two-to-one enrollment of Republicans. So that's why, I guess, the the the, uh, the conventional wisdom is that uh, Newsom will survive the recall. But we'll see. I mean, not for him this week. Obama was there, uh, Bernie Sanders, and Kamala Harris, Joe Biden. And uh, they came out, did their part to try to raise awareness, raise funds, and drum up support for Newsom, who's in trouble, frankly. Already there are reports, Republicans are saying that uh, they, some of these people have been counted as voting and they hadn't yet voted. I guess 30% of the uh, electorate has already voted in that election. So, I mean, Republicans are, are leery. They're already saying there, there's possible voting fraud underway. And, of course, ABC News shot that down. But it's, it's unbelievable. I, I think in California's got a, a history, if, if you've paid attention to recent history, uh, Gray Davis a Democratic governor in California was recalled. That's how Arnold Schwarzenegger got in. And he served, I think, two terms as governor before he was, uh, either he stepped down or was dethroned. But So they've done this before. They've recalled governors. And I would love to see Newsom out on his backside and Larry Elder as governor. Now, the good news is, I think it's good for Elder either way. If he, if he wins, you know, he's governor of California. 
And if any, you know, let's face it, if he if he wins and you have a Larry Elder as governor, that could put California uh, in play for Republicans in the presidential election. I know that's people are saying you're crazy. California is as blue as they come. Well, it is now. It wasn't always blue. I mean, Ronald Reagan served as governor of California. But I mean, Reagan served as governor of California. California was a red state at one time. Texas was a blue state. LBJ was from Texas. So, I mean, these things, it it may take a generation or two to flip. But I mean, California is uh, is in some trouble. And I think you have to, when the bus breaks down, you got to blame the driver. And that would be Gavin Newsom. So let's let's hope and pray... uh, Larry Elder, the El Dorado, pulls it out tonight in California. Speaking of elections, the Office of Pennsylvania's top election official mocked a conservative legal group's findings about undelivered and unreturned mail-in ballots in last year's presidential election. The name of the group is the Public Interest Legal Foundation, and they issued this report asserting that Pennsylvania had 15,175 undeliverable mail-in ballots and 425,000 606 unknown or unaccounted for ballots. Now, Biden defeated Donald Trump by 81,660 some odd votes to win Pennsylvania's 20 electoral votes. 81,600 votes. And we're talking about 425, 426,000 unknown or unaccounted for ballots. These ballots were sent out to voters and never returned to election officials which doesn't necessarily mean that the votes weren't counted. To some degree, the, the uh, secretary, I don't want to get too deeply into the weeds here, but both the Pennsylvania Secretary of State's office and the report by the uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation suggested there could be any number of reasons for the unknown status of some of these mail-in ballots. I mean, it's not totally uncommon that you send out mail-in ballots and 15% on the average, 10 or 15% of these ballots are never returned for various reasons. So absentee and and mail-in voting proliferated across the country during the presidential election because of steps that election officials took during the COVID pandemic. Some of these, they say election officials in this report here, but really Democratic governors and the the governor in uh, Pennsylvania is a Democrat. His name is Scott. I can't think of his first name, but he's a radical Democrat. The, uh, The Pennsylvania legislature is controlled by Republicans. But the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania and the governor are Democrats. They changed the election laws in the weeks and months leading up to the presidential election. And the same went went on in Wisconsin and Michigan and some of these other states. A lot of these states have uh, Republican legislatures, but Democratic governors. You see how it works? I've talked about this. I don't want to go over old news. So it's not really all that uncommon for some of these ballots not to be returned. And according to elections officials, historically, anywhere from 10 to 15 percent of mail-in of mail ballots are not returned for any number of reasons. But I think there was some shady goings on in Pennsylvania, especially Pennsylvania. I can't spend a lot of time. I got so much here to cover and so little time to do it. And I I read over the weekend, I didn't see President Bush speak on the uh, uh, anniversary of 9-11. But I know that uh, President Trump attacked George W. for speaking out against violent extremists. And in the in the movement here, and I think George W. is guilty of this as well, in some of what he said. I did read what he said. He tried to, I guess, equate what happened on January 6th to what happened on September 11th. There is no comparison. There are no parallels whatsoever. And you would think George W. Bush, of all people, would know that. 
He was in the White House when we were attacked. But Bush tried to draw a parallel between foreign and domestic extremists in this speech. He didn't explicitly mention January 6th, the, uh, the uprising at the Capitol. But we got the gist of it. And Trump spoke out against George W. And when, look, during 9-11, I think George W. Bush did a great job. I was behind him all the way. I think most of the country was. We were together for those days after 9-11. I think that was the last time that America was actually a united country after those attacks on 9-11. But, you know, trying to say there are terrorists on the right, trying to, to equate them with the people who attacked us on 9-11 is insane. The people who took part in the January 6th uh, melee, uprising, whatever it was, it wasn't... Uh, it was not what the, what the media has tried to say it was. These people, many of them were patriots who things got out of hand and uh, they were a little overzealous. But f by and large, most of these demonstrations on January 6th were indeed peaceful. So anyway, George W. Bush uh, was uh, in, uh, I want to touch on COVID. How can we do a show and not mention COVID? I want to I mention, though, specifically natural immunity, which we're not hearing a lot from the CDC. Uh, federal health officials, they acknowledge there is natural immunity. It exists, but they continue to claim that protection from the vaccines is better than natural immunity. And they point to all these studies. But, you know, there's a guy out there. His name is Dr. Robert Malone. I don't know if you've seen him, but I've been reading about Dr. Malone and what he's been talking about. He invented uh, a, one of the cl a class of, one of these vaccines based on messenger RNA. And he spoke on Epic TV's American Thought Leaders program. And I'm looking at a piece here uh, from the Epic Times. And uh, the immunity conferred by recovering from COVID-19 is better than the protection afforded by the vaccines. That's according to, again, one of these vaccine inventors, Dr. Robert Malone. And we don't hear a lot from Dr. Robert Malone. ABC doesn't carry his, his I don't see him on ABC or CNN. I see him a lot on Newsmax or Fox, or I read him in the Epic Times or Red State or Town Hall. But you don't see him on the mainstream media because what he has to say doesn't fit the liberal media's narrative of, of COVID. But he, I'll just read you his quote here because he's the doctor. He said, it's now been shown that the breadth of that immune response in terms of T and B cell memory populations is more diverse and more long-lasting than the breadth of immune response elicited by the spike-based vaccines alone. While antibodies reduce over time T cells, a type of white blood cells that protect against infe infection, and B cells can last for a lifetime. I remember reading something to the effect, this woman, she was over 100 years old, and she she was infected with the Spanish flu when she was a very young child. And I think the Spanish flu was in 1917, 1918. And this woman, I don't know if she's still alive or not. She maybe passed away, but she... So this woman still had antibodies from the Spanish flu, and she was over 100 years old. So they last a lifetime in many cases. Now, the, the, you know, the other side will say, well, these... Uh, you know, that was the Spanish flu. Will antibodies work against the Wuhan flu? Well, now you have different variants of the Wuhan flu. Now it's a Delta. It's going to be another variant. And I think there are already one or two other variants out there. Will those uh, uh, antibodies, if you're infected maybe a year and a half ago, will those, will those same antibodies do from future infection? That's a matter of, of uh, debate. And I'm not a doctor, so I won't go into it. I, I read this, though, today on the WorldNet Daily. The U.S. government database that keeps track of deaths from vaccine side effects 
has exploded by tenfold since the advent of COVID-19 and the experimental vaccines that have been developed in response to COVID. The report explained that the virus adverse event report system gets more was unleashed about a year and a half ago. There have been 14,701 deaths reported. I have to show those numbers to my pharmacist because he's doesn't, uh, we've talked about this and he didn't believe me. 14,700 people have died from the side effects from these vaccines. Many of those have come from within the last month and a half, 3,300 deaths. That's about 70 a day, according to this report. It's a federal report. It's not from some right-wing website. And there's been a surge in these deaths from the, from the vaccines in the last year or so. And it bears mentioning. I think we need to hear about this. Vice President Kamala Harris, she, is, uh, you know, she has all she can do to just you know, stay out of trouble. That protecting the vaccinated would be pivotal in stopping the COVID-19 pandemic. How does that work? Sunday night, she put a post on Twitter and it appeared to add to the widespread confusion over the vaccines coming from this administration. This is what she tweeted. By vaccinating the unvaccinated, increasing our testing and masking, and protecting the vaccinated, we can end this pandemic. That's exactly what we're committed to doing. Now, COVID-19 vaccines, we were told, are providing strong protection for anybody who gets them. I mean, I've got my second shot. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm still masking in some cases, but why do you need to protect the vaccinated if the vaccines work? And that's the, that's the response from a lot of Trump's people. And I guess one of his uh, ex-staffers tweeted, doesn't the vax do that? Doesn't the vaccine protect us? Wouldn't the vaccine protect the vaccinated? That's the whole point of getting vaccinated. But she's an idiot, Harris, and she's frightening because if, if, uh, Old Joe B goes down. I mean, look who's going to step in. It's, it's, you know, it's not going to be good for this country. You remember back when Trump was president, Harris said uh, she was not going to take any of the vaccines. She didn't trust Donald Trump. Remember that? Well, Chris Christie was on one of the Sunday shows this past Sunday. He explained how the politicalization of the issue began. It began with Kamala Harris. Harris had stated that she would not take a vaccine recommended by President Trump. She wouldn't take it. She said, I'm not taking it. But it was under President Trump that the industry, the pharmaceutical industry and the government actually worked together and developed these vaccines in a stunningly short period of time. But Trump doesn't get credit for that. Operation, what was it? Operation, uh, I can't think of what it was. Operation, I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, my daughter yelled down to me, Operation Warp Speed. That's, that's it. I couldn't think of it. So, yeah, Harris, uh, she said she, was, she didn't trust the government, the federal government, the CDC under President Trump. So she said she wasn't going to take it. Now, of course, she's singing a different tune because she's in power. You know, there are Republican states out there, and we got to go pretty soon here, but Republican states are threatening legal action over the president's vaccine mandate. And uh, I'm looking at some of the states here, Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, all places I would rather live, uh, Missouri, Montana, Oklahoma, South Carolina, in South Dakota, joined the Grand Canyon state in threatening legal action in response to Biden's newly announced federal vaccination plan. What happened to my body, my choice? Well, it's my body, his choice, evidently. Uh, that's about all we have time for. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. Again, a big election in California. We'll give you the results later this week. 
I'm not sure Larry Elder can pull it out, but I'm hoping hoping and praying that he that he can do it because Newsom is uh, he's bad news. The whole state of California is run by uh, socialists, frankly, Democrats, and none of them are good. Nancy Pelosi, I mentioned Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is a puppet of Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi runs a Democratic machine out of San Francisco, and Harris is a product of that. So what if Harris goes down and she can't serve as president? Who's next in line? The Speaker of the House. That'd be Nancy Pelosi. Anyway, I, I want to think about better things. Locally, the uh, I guess the top election locally is uh, for the Rensselaer County Executive. Steve McLaughlin expected to win handily in that uh, re-election bid. And uh, I know Steve pretty well. He's a, he's a good man. He served in the Assembly for a few terms. And uh, he, he is uh, he's great at what he's doing, too. He's keeping taxes down in Rensselaer County. And uh, you know, I hope one day he runs for governor. I, I'd love to see him run for governor. He toyed with the idea a few years back, but but he pulled the plug on that idea. Anyway, we've got to run. If you want to listen to some fine programming, tune into the BMG Network. You can listen to this show, the Pac-Man uh, podcast with me, Ted Flint. We have the Ken and Mike show up there, the uh, Ken Burns show. We have uh, Mike Hansen's program, Miked Up, Set Apart with Kristen Coons, and the Adrian Ross show. All those programs, we have columns up there for you as well. Check it out, the bmgnetwork.com if you want to contact me directly. It's Pac-Man at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in, folks. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to thebmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.